Hello, I'm Dan. I'm Simon. And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article each week and we talk about what we find. Simon, what are we talking about this week? This week, Daniel, we're talking about... Are you ready for this? The 2001 to 2002 Nashville Predators season. So, uh, okay. It's another one the of The Congolian these. classic. Oh no, we haven't actually had. It's, we've come full circle. We did have the, uh, oh God, there was that Chinese football team and we had one of their seasons. Um, I, I can't even remember where they were. It wasn't Guangzhou, but it was it was somewhere in China. Um but it has been a while since we've had an article like this. But this is... The- it was the 2005 Beijing Guan FC season. Oh, the Guan, Guan, Guan. Yes, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, now... Classic. Before the podcast, I asked Dan, do you have a lot to talk about today? Because, you know, this article isn't going to do a huge amount of lifting on its own. But I then did a bit more digging. Uh, and, oh boy, is there, is there gold in this mine here. So let's... Um, Let's just crack on, shall we? This is this is like a, a neat little kind of summary of what a lot of Wikipedia is like, I think. So, the 2001 to 2002 Nashville Predators season was the Nashville Predators' mm-hmm. fourth season in the National Hockey League. So, right. uh, it's the American Ice Hockey League. Um, and, you know, it was they, apparently they're a decent enough team. They were in there for four seasons. They came fourth overall. Uh, oh wait, no, okay. no, no, Barry, no. Sorry about that. No, they came fourteenth. Um, oh, okay. Because they have an, a number in the in the central division, and then they have a, a CR, a conference rank. So I guess that's like of course they do in the division. How else would you organize it? In their division, maybe they came fourth, but in the conference, they came fourteenth. I, I I really don't know. Ah, uh, yes, they they were they were second from bottom. The only team that did worse than them was the other team, <laughs> the Columbus Blue Jackets, in the Central Division, okay. which is part of the Western Conference. Because see. American sports, everybody, this is just how American sports looks. Like, I mean, we think. Did Did you play hockey as a child? I loved hockey. I was one of my. That was one of the sports that I was genuinely all right at. I was um a defense defense. Yeah, player. I quite enjoyed hockey. We're talking field hockey for those of you who are from the colonies here, or possibly from mm. Baltic states or Russia. We're talking hockey played on grass more often than not astroturf. Um, and mm. well, what position did you play? Oh, crumbs! I don't know. I think it would have been somewhere in the middle. Right. <laughs> yes. Somewhere in the middle. Okay, so like a midfield. I loved it nonetheless. But, yeah, yeah. You know, it was. Yeah, I um. Yeah. I, I I always used to play either centre back or left back, and yeah, you because know, I the, our school was really good at hockey, but for women, like the the girls' team was really good, but the boys' team definitely was yeah, not. Fair. We is I, that why you still got the um the wig then? Yes, exactly. I had to. I had to. It, it was like a reverse pirate situation, right? Instead of having to like strap mm. down my bust. I had to like gaffer tape my p- to my leg so that there was like no accusations of of pork swording flapping around. We are about four minutes into the podcast <laughs> and we've had the glorious phrase, I had to gaffer tape my p- to my leg. That's going to be some fan Welcome art. Welcome to the Wikicast, <laughs> podcast where Wikipedia makes us talk about really weird ch- He started it. He started it, I'd like to point out. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I remember we used to, because we were state school and we used to go and play... Mm mixed hockey we were we were pretty good you know i think we were we were pretty pretty well established as a good side but for men's hockey the only other schools that played it were the very well-to-do private schools and i remember going to uh uh what's it called uh like a tournament and we just got thrashed in every single game and they were doing like trick shots they were doing 
like they were uh, the, they if the opposing team had a corner they would flick it in from the corner and they'd have one of their people stand on the goal line but like outside of the goal and then they would just tap it in with their hockey stick held like Darth Maul would hold his lightsaber like deflecting it off the middle of it and just going boop into the goal it was just showing off basically yeah, yeah it was um it was pretty disheartening not going to lie <laughs> but i mean also we it didn't we didn't have a terribly good talent pool i was one of the more decent players on the team and i really i had barely any experience like i i only i i used to go to training sessions at the local club um but i never really i don't know i just never really gelled with it i never really committed to doing it sort of properly so I, I just wasn't i wasn't very good whereas the some of the girls on the our team were ridiculous one of them had like 103 goals in the school season it was it was outrageous i thought you were gonna say one of the girls had 103 legs i was like well she'd probably be very good then yeah yeah this is our this is our center forward millie peed yeah but that's one of my best jokes nice. in a very long time, I've got to say. And that really is quite depressing. Very fine. Um, yes. But yeah, so what, what sports did you play when you were a kid? Well, when I lived in the UK, first time round, so this would have been like primary school, mm-hmm. you did quite a lot of kind of like the all-rounders. So, for instance, we played rounders. Um, we played football or soccer to our friends across the pond. Maybe dabbled in a bit. So yeah, kick back, mate. You go for your life. Yeah, I just I was um, just enjoying a, an ice cold beverage here whilst I'm letting you yeah, do, whilst I'm letting it. you do the heavy lifting on this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, crack Lovely. on. It is what, what it treat. is, mate. You know, just crack on. Yeah. Well, so yeah, so a bit of rounders, bit of football, bit of hockey. Um, I then went to the Netherlands where I played quite a lot of hockey Hmm. um, and a lot. I got massively into Ultimate Frisbee. Ah, That was really fun. I have never played Ultimate Frisbee. Uh, It's such a, it's a great sport. It's really, really excellent. And a bit of cross country. And then in Australia, it would have been a bit of football again, but like soccer, not Aussie rules football because never play that. Yeah, that's death. A bit of touch rugby. (laughs) Yeah. And then mainly cross country was kind of like the thing that I did most, mm. and a bit of table tennis on a Wednesday. Nice. A table. T- I can imagine you being yeah. good at table tennis. Actually, I don't know why, but yeah, I'm not bad. Like, well, considering that not it bad. was the very first PhD vlog that, uh, like, the week in the life one was the us playing tennis. Do you remember? The, oh yeah. The very first one. Of, uh, like that was really fun. Actually, it, that was really. It, it fun. was. I really regret not doing that more because it was like, uh, I don't think we had to pay, or did we have to pay for the court? I think we yeah, just... we did, but it was really cheap because didn't you have a membership? I had a membership, so yeah, it was but... cheaper. But like, yeah, we just we only did that like two or th- two times, maybe. I think did we get Pixel Girl along mm. once? We got her and we did some doubles once. Yeah. I think in total, including when we went and did doubles, I think we went maybe four or five times. It was really fun, and I we I... definitely played singles three or four times. Yeah, and we never got any better. Like, I kind of it would have no. been a really fun project for us to like just hire a coach and like have like an hour of tennis coaching a week and just see if we could get any better. Because yeah, I d- yeah. it's something that you only realize when you leave uni is that like all of those facilities are just on your doorstep. They're just mm. like there to be used. You've got a ready pool of people who you could play with. You've just got a massive, well, not a massive. Let's not brag, but like you're gonna have a friendship group of people that you could play with. You got a massive friendship. Group. A massive friendship. Group. I've got loads of people, um, <laughs> and you know, like there's, there's, it's something that when you leave uni, you actually realise that it's quite unusual for that to be, for all 
those factors mm. to be in place at the same time. So yeah, like I, I really, especially at not. a university like Exeter, where the facilities mm. are so they're like, outrageous. Leading. Like they, if, they, if they it, just pour so much money into the sports department, it's insane. If anybody is thinking of applying to UK universities and sport is important to you, holy, holy, yeah, yeah. mother of Mary, should you go and check out Exeter because it's just ridiculous. Yeah, but yeah, no, because that that video's got like three quarters of a million views now. I think it's. Like people, Crumbs. so many people have watched our. Well, it's there for tennis. the tennis tutorials. Yeah, exactly. That was yeah. and you being a little woodland nymph, like afterwards. Yes. Scurrying yeah, yeah, around. I love that. Yeah, because when I was a kid, I used to play. I played a bit of tennis. I did some lessons when I was a kid, but like I, I just mm. apparently I didn't enjoy it very much. And I think they used to put me up against kids who were much older than me, which should have been. Mm. I should have internalized as, oh, I guess I'm okay at this. Like I'm playing kids who were older, but instead I was like, this isn't fair. I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> Um, yeah. which is just so much that's wrong with me in a nutshell, really. Yeah, I, I did a bit of that. I did a bit of football at school. I was always a defender. I'm just a very defensively minded person. Like, I don't do I do not do offence. Mm. Um, and I mm. uh, did a little bit of rugby at school. Most of the games I played were in scouts. Like, we were, we were a, a scout mm. troop that did a huge number of games every week. Um, and there was, hang on, I'm going to Google this. We used to play something called puttocks. Is this something that you should be talking about in therapy rather than the podcast? Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure that, like, uh, it's not coming up with anything on Google. It was like cricket. It was it was like cricket in that you had fielders and a batter and a bowler, and you would, if you were in bat, it wasn't a, well, it, it was a team thing. You'd have, like, a team of batters and a team of fielders. You would have to hit the ball. And then there was like a second set of stumps, but not where the bowler was. It was off to the side. And we used to have, we had two rubbish cans, like these two metal rubbish Mm. cans that were, I don't know, like five meters apart. And you try and do runs that way. And, you know, you could be bowled out or you could be tapped out by on the first set of uh, like the first rubbish can. Or if you knock the ball out of play, because we're in a relatively small little field. But I'm not Mm. seeing any reference to this on the internet maybe this was something entirely invented by our scout troop no I've, i must admit i've never heard of it it's i think my scout troop may have been lying to me that this was a thing i remember playing it for hours like we used to play that and we used to play mm. handball which was not actual handball it was like football but you used your hands like you, you'd have to smash it with, your, with a closed fist or an open palm um, and if it hit you anywhere on the see. And, and also if it hit you anywhere on your body you were out like it was it was it was it yeah. was like the teams would whittle down very quickly and if you played, oh, I played a lot of I played a lot of volleyball. Just remembered, really? Yeah, I was like I played that for like two or three years in in Australia. Hmm. That was really fun, actually. I've never played it. I played a little bit of court. I think I was once. just in it for the skirts, though. To be fair, <laughs> that honesty. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Why not? That that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the sense of freedom that you've got. It's just a lovely thing. Yeah, absolutely. I've worn dresses before, and I feel like they're very liberating. You know, mm, like it's absolutely. It's 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 a shame that that guys don't feel like we can wear stuff like that. The stuff that just lets the twins breathe. And it's like, and mm. yeah, yeah. I remember it was at Scouts actually. I remember wearing a definitely painting my Scout troop in a very strange light. Um, like doing a slip and slide, and we had to like. There's a great photo of me somewhere. Or in like a, it's almost like a Victorian, uh, like a sleeping nighty, like a long nighty, because we right. we had this we we had to change into clothes that we weren't we didn't mind getting wrecked, and we had some clothes left over from um what's it called from like a a, a sale like a jumble sale that we would do to raise money, mm. and yeah, like 
there's this. I'll have to try and find it in the middle of this podcast. There's this great photo of 16 year old Simon just wearing a nighty. If that doesn't entice That's you, folks, nice. I, I don't know yeah, what wow. will. Um, but my anyway. school, St. Leonard's, St. Leonard's College, had it in the last week for year 12s, which is the final year um, at the college. We could do, I think it was on a Tuesday, it was like Trans Tuesday, where you could, the boys and the girls would swap uniform for the day. Fun, which was really fun. Yeah, because um, a lot of the guys would get into it to the point of which they'd get they'd find the most ill-fitting dresses possible, and would also go and buy go and get really really awful spray tans done for the day. <laughs> well, because dressing up as a woman means you have to have an awful spray tan. Well, yeah, I think it's also part of like the Aussie kind of you know, oh, a, a good tan's a, a good thing. Yeah, all I know about Aussie is is tan surfer, no hat, no play. I remember that. Yeah, and... slip, slop, slap. Yeah, and that, that was basically it. It was basically what I learned from you in um, mm. Malta. <laughs> Yet yeah. again, we bring up the Chapel Choir tour to Malta. We just can't yeah. not come back to that well. Uh, so basically, so we, we, all, we started talking about sport because we were talking about the Nashville Predators. Um, yeah. Now, it's kind of a sad sack article, this, because they have, right, there's different sections on the season. Uh, they have off-season. This section is empty. You can help by adding to it. There's the regular season, the player stats, the playoffs. The Predators missed the playoffs yet again for the fourth straight year. You can, I can see oh some God. really bitter Nashvillian fan just like writing this article yet With again. With a big foam, like, we are number one hand on, just kind of like really <laughs> pathetically or, or, or waving How it. is he going to be typing yeah. with that on? <laughs> really awkwardly. Well, that's mashing. why the, the, the sections of the article are so sparse, because it yeah. never gets approved, because it's all just a jumbled mess of letters. Awards and records, section is empty. Roster, section is empty. Farm teams section is empty. They had some draft picks from various places. They had draft picks from Canada, Russia, Slovakia, Austria, Canada, the USA, Sweden, and Finland. Um, they seem to have gotten a decent, like, you know how like the the, the drafting system works. Like the worse you do, the the better the players you're going to get next season are. Um, they seem to yeah. have gotten half decent players. I just guess they didn't use them very well. Um, the thing that stood out to me though is. Team team information. <clears throat> the general manager of the Nashville Predators was in two thousand and one David Poyle Poily. I'm not quite sure how you're supposed to pronounce that. The coach um, was Barry Trotz. The captain was Tom Fitzgerald, and their arena their arena was the Gaylord Entertainment Center. Oh my god! It's the best <laughs> thing that's ever happened. <laughs> this article has shot up in my estimations. <laughs> yeah. So it's now, um, it, it, it's changed its name. <laughs> it's changed its name. Oh, really? Uh, it's, I couldn't possibly think why. It's now called the Bridgestone Arena. Uh, originally Rubbish. the Nashville Arena and formerly Gaylord Entertainment Centre. <laughs> like there to point go. out that this is, this is not an insult that we would ever use in our daily lives. It is just unfortunate that it was an insult back when we were in primary school mm. and yeah. is also an American surname. I mean, I do. I, I do hope we haven't offended anyone. That was certainly not our intent with this. No, not at all. No, I feel like people who listen to this podcast know that that's uh, that's not our game. No, in, in, in case in case the humour wasn't apparent, we thought it was funny because it was something that six year olds would say to you as an insult. This is just me being paranoid, basically. I'm a, I'm a very socially awkward person, Dan, as you well know. I don't I don't deal well in social situations, and especially when I, I worry that I am offending people, probably needlessly. 
There we yeah. go. Yeah, you, you're the kind of person who in social situations will have a, a thought of a, a seed of a conversation or a, or a passing comment will come into your head. And if you weren't in a social situation with kind of some new people or people that you were wanting to get along with, you probably wouldn't say what you were thinking. But then, <laughs> when it's but you. then your brain somehow goes, Simon, this is gold. This <laughs> yeah. is what we need right now. Quick, say it. This is uh, this is this is why I, I I'm worried that I'm getting a bit too comfortable on the Elkscast Twitch channel. Oh, did you? Um, I have to include the get added to include the audio from this. Did you? I don't suppose you saw the Armchair Admiral stream on Monday. No. So basically, I was streaming with them, and I'd lost at this point. I was my cities were being taken over, and so I was like, oh, I'm just going to crack on with the Duolingo. I was going to do some Spanish. Yeah. And um, and then we we were like translating stuff in the game. So like there was a religion mm-hmm. called Ars. So I was like, oh, uh, Lewis's religion, Kulo, is going well. And it was like, someone's... Because it was like, oh, I'm spreading arse near you. I'm spreading my legs near you. Or, like, stuff like yeah. that. And so they had tits. And I was like, oh, tetathos or tetas or whatever. And then mm. one of the other religions was called cleavage. And I was like, wait, I, I actually don't know what that... Hang on, I'm just going to go out. I opened the door and I was like, Liv! And she was right there. And I'm just going to ask... Wait, wait a minute, hang on. Oh, you hurt her. <laughs> he just like <laughs> That's my reaction when I see Simon usually as well. Massively startled her. Like, she's so easily frightened. Like I really should do mm. some like. Uh, it's a shame that I can't show her face on the internet because. Just, yeah. just like she's so easily frightened that sometimes I'll just do it for for my own amusement. Like watch. There, there was one time when she was having a shower and I went. I wanted to ask her something, so like I opened the door and I just like a, like a couple of inches and I was just like, I'm just going to wait for her to notice me rather than like mm. shock her. And then she in the shower turned around to see me and just let out this massive scream. And I was like, Oh, it's yeah. you! And I was like, Who else is it going to be? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. We live alone. The door is locked. Like oh boy, but yeah, like I I've got to be careful on the Oscar streams. I got to I got to be careful that I don't do something stupid. Anyway, um, that was that's the, the, the Gaylord Entertainment Center is the highlight of the Nashville Predators 2001 season. I feel like we've pumped this article yeah. for all it's worth. It just goes to show if you if you put a little bit of time in, a little bit of research, deep diving, you can find a little nugget of gold. Gold in them there hills, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, Dan, uh, I believe it is time for you to. Add to your newly created Choral Piece of the Week playlist. And this will be my Piece of the Week. Drum roll, please. So for those of you who don't know, Dan now has a playlist. It's in the description uh, on Apple Music because we know that most of if, you who listen to the show... If someone wants to go to the trouble of going through that playlist and then creating a Spotify playlist of the same music, then be my guest. But I don't have Spotify and I'm not going to do that. And also we (laughs) know that most people who listen to the show do it on uh, Apple operating system. So we're just making this assumption that most people are going to be probably using Apple music. But if if not, let us know. Um, So yes, Daniel, Mm. what is your piece of the week this time around? Well, Simon, what I'm going to do is I am going to choose a single track, but I'm also going to subtly plug the actual, the entire album, because it's all really good. Mm. And it's only, it's only five tracks. Right. So this particular album is called The Eaton Choir Book. Oh, by Alamire? No. Ah. By the, oh, well, that may, that will maybe the, I don't think it's this one single. The Eaton Choir Book is a compilation of early polyphony. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, this particular album is sung by the Huelgas Ensemble, which is H-U-E-L-G-A-S. Oh. It came out in 2012, and it features a Salve Regina by John Sutton for Seven Voices, and it's really lovely. It's a kind of beautiful blend of that kind of classic polyphony style with lots of quick kind of almost folk song-esque, ornamenta- esque ornamentation within the parts, so it makes it sound very ethereal. Um, and mm. it's just, it's really lovely. In fact, in the first, I would say, 15 seconds of audio, you can hear one of those little kind of little ornament ornamentations in the, I believe, the tenor line. Uh, but it's very lovely. So that will be my choral piece this week. The Eaton Choir uh, choir book by the Huelgas Ensemble featuring Salve Regina, Seven Voices by John Sutton. I will be adding that to the playlist for those of you who have already added the playlist yourselves. Are the you playlist s- in its current form. Go on. I, I was just going to ask, are you still singing in um, that early music group that I know sprung up? Because you've been singing more early music recently. Yes. Yeah, we are. Um, we had our last rehearsal, I think, last week because it's getting to the time where most of the members who are in the chapel choir, which is all but two, will be going away to, on tour. Ah, I see. And then folk will be kind of will be moving off from Exeter. So the the consort will start up again. I imagine in September, but potentially under a different name because because quite a few people are leaving. Um, one of them being Joe Reed, who kind of started the whole thing. I might see if if current pe- current people singing in the choir want to start want to kind of be signed as a free transfer from <laughs> ex Noctem to the the group that I'll put together because I absolutely will. That may happen, but it's certainly going to be early music as the focus because yeah. it's just so. I love it. I, 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 you know, I, this was something that I came into Chapel Choir really loving, uh, specifically the Missa mm. Papamarcelli, the, the Palestrina. Yeah. Um, that was like the piece that kind of got me into it. But it's it's something Which that is you've... on the playlist. If you haven't it heard is, it, it's yes. on the playlist, the mass in its entirety. And it's something that it's something that you come to recently. Really, it's it wasn't sort of mm. your original genre of choice. What is it about it that you think appeals to you now? Um, I think it's the kind of the complexity of ideas within each line. So so for people who might not be as into choral music as, as we are, um, <laughs> you can kind of, you can broadly separate styles of music across from kind of like early, early 14th, 15th century, mm. right the way through to, to kind of 20th, 21st century modern composers. Um, they can all still be kind of find their way into a category of either homophonic or polyphonic music. Uh, A homophonic sound would be something like when you sing a hymn in church where your words and even if you're singing different notes, your words and your notes match up with somebody else singing a different part. So it sounds like you're just kind of playing block chords, whereas polyphony, every vocal part has its own line and the lines kind of interweave with each other. And that kind of stems from from chant basically, and you just add other lines of chant to one existing cantus firmus or something. And it's a lot more interesting to listen to. Yeah, it's super interesting because you've got to think rather than rather than changing from one chord to another to give to give some kind of kind of movement and progression and change in the kind of the, the musical narrative of the piece that you're singing, you instead of just going, right, we're gonna start here, da-da, and then we're gonna go to here, da-da. You've got to think, well, this part's approaching the chord I want, but this part's not quite ready to fit in with that chord. So how am I going to kind of blend that gap? And early choral composers do it the best. The likes of, you know, Gesualdo, Palestrina, mm. Bird, Talis, Tompkins, 
um, Wilkes. They're they're amazing, and it's such a unique, I think, quintessentially English choral sound. Even you though know? a lot of the composers um, aren't even English, it's just something that we've kind of yeah. co-opted as part of our. Although it's interesting, I was thinking about this the other day. How like would you necessarily count a lot of stuff from Bach, for example, as polyphony? Because it has a lot of the trademarks. But I don't think people would normally describe it as polyphonic. No, I think well, it's hard, isn't it? Because certainly in his like larger works, you've got these more polyphonic style movements contrasted with homophonic chorale stuff mm. that sound more like hymns. Um, but because there's so much going on with Bach and, and Mozart to that extent, I guess, um, it's not as... I think a hallmark of, a, of kind of true polyphony is that it's a cappella. Yeah. So there's less of a focus, you know, like there's more of a focus on those vocal parts being substance in themselves rather than it not being homophonic, but you've got an entire, you know, orchestra so I, underneath I, you. I, I guess that the decline of polyphonic music then was going into sort of the Baroque period was basically as a result of instruments becoming either more mm-hmm. available or increasing in complexity. Because, yeah, you, yeah, it's when you start seeing it was someone like Monteverdi who's like right on the boundary of. A lot of his uh, Vespers, the, oh, is it 1605? I can't actually remember the year. Um, are a cappella polyphonic, like without a shadow of a doubt. But then there are large movements with instrumental, you know, accompaniment and with large homophonic sections. It's, ah, oh, God, I, I want to do a music degree, Dan. I just, I want to learn more. Well, I should probably focus, start by getting like a GCSE in music because I, I don't have any yeah. any theory qualifications. But, oh, it's so interesting. The, this, the history really of this is. stuff. Anyway, go check out that playlist. If we if us guffing about mm. this has convinced you, then yeah, you should go and check out Dan's uh, playlist. And if you want it on Spotify, do let us know. And we find ourselves in critics corner so we we actually haven't there's not a huge amount of time that's passed between this episode and the last episode because we are back on weekly uh uploads we are we are committing scheduled to broadcasting yeah, yeah. we're dan's back from his exam break and we are going to be doing this every week uh, apart from extenuating circumstances but it does mean that now we have less time between the episodes so we don't have as much to, to rant about um i've i've started watching a tv show um which is i'm hope hoping is going to become like Pixelgar and I really enjoyed watching Chernobyl together. It's like it's really nice to share a TV show with someone. I think, and mm. um, it's it's and it's con- conversely very annoying when that person like jumps ahead without you. Um, like I don't know if you remember when I think all three of us watched the first episode of Stranger Things together, like me, you, and Pixelgar, mm. and then I was like, oh great, I'm really looking forward to watching this with you, and then Pixelgar went off and watched every episode. <laughs> <laughs> on, yeah. on her own and I was like oh for god's sake like I was really looking forward to this <laughs> anyway so yeah I'm hoping that we found a new one which is Parks and Rec I've, I've not watched any Parks and Rec oh it's so good yeah I've I've we're like three four episodes in and mm, it's, to the first season presumably yeah because it's, it's on Amazon Prime yeah, nice. so we, we've got access to it for free um and it's it's just really good. Yeah, it's like m- multiple laugh out loud moments, which I don't often get from yeah. TV or or movies or anything like that. Like it takes a fair bit to actually mm. make me properly laugh. But yeah, it helps that I feel a real connection with Andy Dwyer, like with Chris Pratt's character. Yeah. I really, really connect with him on a spiritual level, um, which is, you know, nice. Um, yeah, but um, it's a fantastic show. 
And Leslie Nope is actually kind of like Pixel Girl. There's like definitely some characteristics there of like very klutzy, but very passionate, very enthusiastic about what, what she's doing uh, with, a, yeah. with a heart of gold on her. It's just, yeah, I, I, I regret not starting this sooner. It's kind of up there with like mm. the US Office is one of those shows that kind of you're expected to watch, you know? Yeah, see, I've never seen that. I've, I'm tempted to try and watch it. I've seen the, the British Office many, many times. And I love that, but I'd like to give the the US one a try, just so I can more kind of accurately talk about the differences between the two. Right. Yeah. No. I, I've I've seen, I've only seen I don't know maybe half a season of the US Office, and I really liked it. I kind of want to go back and watch it from the beginning, really. Although it may be one of those shows that you can jump in halfway through, you know, like it takes a while to get going. Mm. Um, but I've not watched mm. any of the British Office, so like I, I wouldn't. I, I'm the opposite. Very good. Um, but yeah, no, Parks and Rec, really, really enjoy it. I'm sure that I'm way behind the trend on this, but you know, I've, I'm, I, 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 I'm trying to supplement me watching endless episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation uh, because, mm-hmm. like, I've been, I've just got into this habit of watching an episode over lunch because it's 45 minutes. Like that gives you enough time to Did get. Did you see the trailer together. a while ago? Did you see the trailer a while ago for the new Picard? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Make looks, it so. Really Make it so. Oh, I cannot engage. Wait. Oh, I I love Patrick Stewart. I, I like. Well, I was yeah. saying this on um stream the other day actually. I was like, if you were to ask me what it, what are the characteristics that a leader needs to have, like what should a good mm. leader be? It is literally in my mind. What would Captain Picard do? Like he is. Yeah. the archetype the, the 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 perfect example of a solid leader and like oh god i just like it's the, the show obviously it's dated a bit right the, the next generation finished airing about the time that i was born um and so the special effects at the time were probably incredible but like i could do better than them in after effects now like by quite some way yeah um but like the a lot of a lot of the stuff that isn't that never gets dated you know the the writing for example having a solid episode that is about the rights of androids like is an android a sentient being or um the episode the sins of the father where Worf is basically on trial for his father's war crimes and what is the value of honor like solid writing doesn't get old um the way that it Mm. might be told does but it's it's just good and it's high concept sci-fi they'll take a concept like addiction to the holodeck and you know what it what it is you know or yeah what it is to be human uh and and run Mm. with that for a whole episode and like yes there's great sci-fi these days and stuff like the expanse for example which is fantastically made really engaging um you know solid solid tv but it's not high concept in the same way that the next generation was and possibly i'm just looking at the wrong place but i've yet to see anything that's really like good old trek so that's that's what i've been watching every day and now i'm trying to supplement it with new stuff in the evenings because like trying to take some time off but what have you been watching well i've been i've been on a bit of a a british tv show binge Mm -hmm. i've now started watching and finished watching good omens oh wow how uh, many episodes is is that (laughs) six i think oh okay it's not like a huge um, season yeah yeah it's it's really quite short but um each episode's about an hour long so between last week's episode and now i finished it but um it's really really excellent and there's talk of potentially a second season which is oh, already. very very exciting i've only heard good things um, about it yeah it's really good i think it's one of, it's one of the best tv shows i've watched um for sure and then i've also uh yesterday in fact before my here we go, here's a here's another 
segue. Can, I guess it can count as, as a review. <laughs> um, I had my first driving lesson in a manual car yesterday. Oh, 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 right. I Whoa. see. Yeah. How did it go? Crazy. Yeah, it was really fun. It was very different to driving an automatic, obviously. Mm. There's so much more to kind of think about. But I also haven't been in a car for such a long time. Driving, I mean. Yeah. Um, but it was really nice. I've got a really lovely instructor. His name is John. Is... Very calm. He's a musician. Um, that always helps, yeah. Is it very? Is it a lot of hill starts mm. that you're going to have to worry about? Because Exeter's very hilly. Probably. Yeah, probably. We only did... I think I'm, I'm going to be let loose on the road next week. But I was in a car park yesterday. What day of the week, um, just so we can give a public safety announcement for the people of Exeter? Wednesday morning, 9.45 till 11.45. If you see a plume of smoke or a large yeah, gaggle I'm, of I'm pedestrians about running... I'm in a, in, a, in a bright red, really very lovely Ford Fiesta. Um, oh, get you! Which is a really, it's a really nice car. But yeah, it's going. It's 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 really fun. I like it a lot. So, what you did you get a license in Australia for an automatic? No, so I started learning in an automatic in Australia. So I had my right. provisional license. I had like my learner's license there and was doing lessons there. And then here, I had. I then just reapplied for a for a learner's license. But right. obviously, I want to learn in a manual because yeah, that would be nice. But I want to have my 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 aim is I want my license by Christmas. I see. Oh, nice. So I think that's that's, that's doable. Um, I um I really do need to get back so, on yeah. it. Really, like I've. Uh, but I I completely forgot. I was you know my point being years and years was what I watched, which is on BBC iPlayer. Uh, I watched the first episode and it's really engaging. I've not even heard of it. What's what is it about? Well, it's kind of hard to say because it it's kind of about lots of things. Let me find the Wikipedia. Let's see. Years and Years is a British television drama series which began broad- broadcasting on BBC One on the 14th of May 2019. Uh, it'll be coming to the US on the 24th of June. The series will blah, blah, blah. The focus of the six-part series is the Manchester-based Lyons family. Daniel's getting married to Ralph. Stephen and uh, Celeste worry about their kids. Rosie is chasing a new partner and Edith has not been home for years. Presiding over them all is Gran, the imperious... Um, the imperious kind of matriarch um all their lives converge on one crucial night in 2019 uh, and the story accelerates into the future following the lives of the um and loves of the lions over the next 15 years so you have these moments of kind of time lapse where the you see the kids grow up and they're kind of living in a digital kind of a more digital world there's a big threat of nuclear the end the end of the first episode closes with the u.s launching a nuclear bomb to a chinese island oh my when when is this when, when is it set what year 2019. Oh, so it's set in... Right, okay. Wow, all right. Oh, actually, no, no, no. It's, I think it might be a couple of years later. I think it might be 2021. Okay. But it stars Emma Thompson as Vivian Rook, who's an MP. She's a business businesswoman turned politician. And she kind of has the... She, she's, there's a clip of her being on Newsnight night, and somebody asks a question about uh, the state of things in the Middle East and, and, and the kind of the, the general, oh gosh, it's all going pretty wrong. Mm. And her stance is, and what kind of gets her famous and then ends up making her run for MP is that she says, well, you ask me about these things. And to be honest, I don't give a f***. <laughs> All I want is my, I want, you know, I want, I want my bins to be reliably taken out every week. I want to live in a clean, nice town. I want my kids to be happy at school. I want, I think, and she was like basically saying, I feel like we should focus on what, on, on getting home right first. And it's really weird because she actually provides, she actually kind of offers some really compelling arguments. Mm. Um, but delivers them in a way that doesn't make her sound like a kind of Brexit, you know. <laughs> um, so it's offer it's asking these really interesting questions, and and this 
a big focus on kind of like the refugee crisis and obviously this nuclear crisis and wow yeah it's, I, it's really good you, you'd like it you'd really like it I will, I will have to check it out i need something that's going to fill like the serious drama hole that was left by chernobyl yeah well you should watch it with um pixel girl yeah i should yeah i mean she's in the middle of binging killing eve which i was subjected to about um, half an hour of yeah. yesterday and i was like i have no clue my parents watch that i think yeah, that that sums up a lot of what of what Pixel Girl watches. To be honest, <laughs> it's meant to be very good, by all accounts. I mean, yeah, I guess. Like, I I, I didn't I, I didn't have a clue what was going on. I was jumping midway into like the set the second season, and she, she was like trying to explain. She was like, "Oh yeah, but Eve's becoming more like Villanella as the season's going on." And I was like, "Well, I have no clue." who either of these people are or where they've started or where they're going to end up. So that is useless to me, but there we go. Mm. Um, that was nice. But yeah, so yeah, that'd be a nice one. I'll, I'll have to check it out. As always, there'll be links to all of these shows in the uh, in the show notes for the the podcast. So if you'd like to check them out, and yes. if you'd like to, so we're always open to having emails. Like, send us some correspondence about what you think about these uh, shows, or if you have any recommendations for us. But mm. that's that's later in the podcast. Dan. That is later on. What we've got to do right now is thank. Who do we need to thank? We need to thank our patrons, Simon. No, our patron. We did this last week. Our patrons, not our patrons. Sorry. We need to thank our YouTubes. Yes. Thanks, MySpace. Top lad. So you you all know the drill by now. It's that time in the episode where we say a massive thank you to our patrons uh, supporting us at. Uh, patreon.com forward slash the wikicast this basically is an opportunity for us to say a massive thank you to those who pledge uh, a dollar or five dollars uh, each month uh, to keep this podcast running it pays for our hosting it pays for our donations to the wikimedia foundation it pays for any contests we run and also gives simon and i a little bit more kind of leeway and freedom in in kind of creative uh, choices that we may like to make if we want to go and meet up and do some recordings or um pay for kind of transport and things um, so it's all in all, it's massively, massively helpful. It keeps the show um, on the air. Absolutely, yeah. And those of you may or may not know, uh, regular listeners will know that I'm a, a hard dog. Uh, I'm a hard dog. I'm a hard dog. <laughs> I'm a hard dog advocate. Is what I was going to say. <laughs> no, let's just go with I'm a hard dog. Oh, you hard um, dog. <laughs> John F. Kennedy. I'm a hard dog. Welcome to the, welcome to the show, Mr. Dogs. President. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, God. I'm a hard dog advocate, so I'm going to be saying a massive thank you to our top dog supporters. So without further ado, uh, I'd like to say a big thank you to Ben McMurtry, who, incidentally, uh, I saw this weekend because he came down for the Exeter University Singers Alumni Day, come ah. and sing, which was really good. It was really well attended. We had an absolutely fab- fabulous day and a nice uh, pub thing in the evening, but it was really lovely to see him. Uh, I'd like to say thank you to him. I'd also like to say thank you to uh, Eric Shun, Eric Bolliger, Jay Wright, Kyle Much, Maggie, Marut Vakira Punyawat, Nina Colton, Peter Reed, and Rory Healy. Well, that's all well and good, Dan. That's all well and good that you're thanking the top dogs. But I want to thank the real heroes of the hour, the people who are actually keeping the podcast on the air, because there are so many people who are top cats. I was right all along that the people who are really cat fans were the people who were keeping us on the air there are so many of them my god there are now 19 
top cats. So thank you so much to Choco Cat, Dan Hanvey, Devon Hill, Ferdinand Singh, Hans J. Harmon, Dart, Isabel Ostrowski, Kodzo, Lachman Woods, Layla Medina, Lewis Watson, Oliver Burkhart, Oliver Craigie, Omar Miranda, Princess Andromeda, Rents Kirk, River Ward, Tapia Kirkinen, and William Humphreys. You are wonderful, wonderful people. Cracky gosh, that's a lot of people. It is, it's a lot of cats. Try herding these guys, mm. it's going to be impossible. Yeah. Top lad. So we're going to do something a bit different this week, Dan. And, and dear readers at home, um, instead of doing Crisis Corner, we do have some crises that people have sent to us anonymously at spongyelectric.gmail.com, but we had a suggestion on the Discord that we could instead do a Confession Corner. So just, just as an experiment, what we'll do next week is we'll read out emails that have been sent to us with confession in the subject line. First, and it could be confession, comma, whatever. Um, and... Just confess to something. And it's going to be totally, totally anonymous. It could be the tiniest little thing, or it could be the biggest like secret you've been keeping. And we will give our thoughts on what you have confessed to. We're going to be like the two, your two local friendly Catholic priests. Um, yeah. Inter- interpret from that what you will. Um, it- Father Simon and Father Daniel are here to, <laughs> to listen to your... Listen to your confessions. If you, if you could, obviously, it'll still all be anonymized. Yeah, they can be very, as, very much as, as Simon says. They can be as serious or just. Oh, I want. I one time started eating a yogurt in a supermarket before paying for it. Forgive me. Right. <laughs> well, you are forgiven, my, my um, son. You are forgiven. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The th- yeah. If you could start off your uh, email with uh, "Forgive me, fathers, for I have sinned." Um, that would be good. I, I like that as a thing. Yeah, because it means we a we can sort them and b. I think that's quite funny. <laughs> Always wanted to be a priest, you know. Um, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. What has the show become? I mean, but we'll see what happens. You know, I think I think this I think this new this new way of doing it will have real legs because a crisis Im- implies that there has to be something kind of presently yeah. wrong or not going going awry. Whereas a confessional can be anything. I mean, I certainly probably have things I could email in about. I've got some pretty hilarious ones. Not, and that, I mean, I've already semi-confessed to the yogurt eating one, but, <laughs> well, you know, I'll email in next week. How about that? Yeah. Well, so this is just an experiment. We're not, we're not getting rid of Crisis Corner necessarily. If this is very, no. very popular, then we, we might do this every week. But um, it was suggested. I think it's a good suggestion. So let's, let's give it yeah, a go. Um, so yeah, email in with confession, uh, colon or something or comma, whatever you want. And then, yeah, we will anonymize everything that's sent that way. And we will give our we'll give our take on what how horrible a person we think you are. No, that's not what we're going to do. We're just going to give our thoughts on whether uh, on your confession and absolve you. You know, are we absolving everyone? Mm. Is that a blanket rule? Are we Catholic priests? I think I think everyone gets absolved. Yeah, you get absolved. You get absolved. Everybody gets absolved. Look under your seats right now, live studio audience. You'll find that you've all got a free absolve. <laughs> Absolutions for all. Anyway, we should crack on with some correspondence. So here we are, correspondence corner once again. Uh, let's kick off. Ash, we have here we go we again. St- we, have, we have so many emails. It's crazy. There is one here that I'm going to have to jump to straight away uh, because it's from the one, the only Dan, the one, the only Danvey. Oh, Dan Hanvey. Awesome. Woo! It's live studio weird, audience claps. What happened there? Woo! Dabby! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. 
Danvi begins. Dear Statler and Waldorf. Very good. <laughs> it's an absolute delight to welcome your multifaceted conversations back to my ear holes after so, lo- so long. I can see why Simon enjoyed uh, this latest episode so much. It was a corker. Dan, congratulations. Well done on completing your academic studies. Woohoo! We must catch up properly sometime and celebrate. We absolutely must. Mm. Um, regarding your previous crisis writer, I'm 100% in agreement with what I've been said. Cheating any form. Ah, so this is from last week's. Uh, indicative of how you think and live and to get annoyed angry over shows you have a strong moral compass i'm honestly surprised dan didn't quote dumbledore to this point soon we must all face the choice between what is right and what is easy that's a very good quote it is dan. right now a- i'm both uh yes um <laughs> cheating versus doing the right thing it may be tough to accept that you may fail at something um but it's called having a spine I also have a question for you. Given that you're both of a musical mindset, have either of you ever composed anything in the past? I'm part of a collaborative project at the moment, and I need to compose a basic instrumental and single voice song for it. I haven't done any composition since Music GCSE, and was wondering if you have any tips. I fear I may, up, may end up slamming my face into the keyboard and calling it facial interpretations in A-flat nose. Much <laughs> love, Dan V. Age, digital. Oh, I've missed him. Very fine. I've, well, it's I've lovely to hear you, from Dan you, Dan. Um, You've done composition. Of, I've done a bit of composition. You but mean, I never did music. I've never done I any, so have... this is entirely up to you. I've never done any composition. Okay. Well, the composition that I've been doing is basically since now that kind of like, I think my musical ability has increased tenfold since being with the chapel choir and now the cathedral. So surprise, surprise, they have been choral compositions. I usually do things from bashing things out on the piano and seeing what sounds nice I and beg, then working from there. Pardon. Well, yes, yeah. I, I do most of my compositions by ear, as I say, because I, because I did, never did music, I can't really come at it from a very strong <laughs> theory perspective. Yeah, so you can't come at it from a strong angle. Yeah. You, I mean, you just bash one out on the piano <sighs> instead, mate. That's fine. <sighs> That's what it sounds like. When you're anyway, it. yes, I have done some compositions. None of them have been performed. I think some of them are all right. Um, but I've nearly finished. I've, I've got three responses to go and then i've finished my set of responses which is quite exciting oh that's fun yeah nice fun yeah um yeah no i'd like to do a psalm chant that'd be cool i've never done any composition of any i mean i did i've done like uh improvised jazz but that doesn't really count i mean that's just that that, that's just making stuff up as you go i suppose that is kind of what composition is anyway Mm. but yeah but not 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 me i have to think well we have we have some very talented readers uh, on the podcast who often create jingles for us. Yeah, Tapio, Tapio, excellent. Yeah, um, send us some excellent thoughts on on music. So if there are any budding composers out there, email in and uh, give Simon and I uh, a lesson and and help help Dan out. Yes, please do. Now, I actually on a, a similarly musical note, um, there was an email here from Alex Elg. Now. We were recommended last week, Dan, to listen to To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. Have you had a chance to listen to any of it? No. I see. So I mean, sorry, I should revise my answer. I have had a chance to listen to it. I haven't <laughs> listened to it. <laughs> yeah, that, okay, that, that did seem a bit more likely. Um, so I, mm. I, I've listened to the whole album through, uh, like, once, and then I, I was listening to it this morning, actually, funnily enough. Um, and it, it is amazingly creative, like... It's it's one of those things where it's it's almost like you're exposed to a whole new style of painting. Like if you'd never seen Van Gogh before, like and you're like, I don't even know where to start with this. Like I know that I like it, but I don't know where it sits within like my internal barometer of like art, right? 
I've, I listened to it and it is okay. phenomenally creative. Like you kind of, possibly you're like me in that you have um, uh, like, you think that all hip hop basically sounds the same. It's the same kind of beat with the same kind of flow over the top of it. And that is definitely, I, I knew that was an oversimplification anyway. But each track on To Pimp a Butterfly is really quite distinct. Like, really quite unique. And just to give you an idea of how creative it is, the final track is actually just a free-form interview, quote-unquote, between Kendrick Lamar and Tupac. Except <clears throat> Tupac died, obviously. When did he die? What year was it? I mean, he he, he died a very long time ago. Um Mm-hmm. and um 1996 and so kendrick lamar basically wrote an interview using stock audio of somebody else interviewing him in order to kind of tie the themes of the album together and that's where the phrase to pimp a butterfly comes from it's sort of um see. Uh, talking about a chris a caterpillar looking at a butterfly and relating that to the experience of black men in america and it's like I, as soon as like I learned that it was because I was like I swear I recognized that voice the the one that Kendrick Lamar's talking to and I was like holy sh it's Tupac um like that then suddenly like blew the album open for me and I'm like I now want to go through it really rigorously and listen to it so I I, I really liked it <clears throat> I can't remember who suggested it to us um thank you dear dear reader but Alex Elg has come in with some more recommendations so you definitely should give give it a listen, Dan. Like give it a, give it a shot. Even mm, if it's just... I will. I'll listen to it on my way to Evensong today. Yeah, do do. I mean, it's it's quite a long album. It's like an hour and a quarter in length. Um, okay. And actually, if you've listened to the soundtrack from Black Panther at all, um, Kendrick Lamar did the album for that. Well, there were two albums that came out of it, but like the popular music one was Kendrick Lamar, um, and he did the credit song with. Uh, a scissor? I'm actually not sure how you're supposed to pronounce it. Hang on. Um, Black Panther Kendrick. Hang on. I'm, I, I just need to know this now. Um, is it All the Stars? Yeah, with S-Z-A. And I'm not sure how you're supposed to pronounce that. But yeah, just give it a go. But um, Alex has come in with Dear Mr. Clark and Moore. Good order. Thank you. Upon learning that Kendrick Lamar is apparently a new discovery for the pair of you, I've decided to make it my mission to expand your knowledge and introduce you to the wide variety, both musical and linguistic, that is offered by the genre. To start off with, I'm going to seminar-style 360 no-scope double front flip off the Kendrick Lamar trail and recommend J. Cole Mm -hmm. and Logic, both of which are pretty okay. I do not know if you've ever talked about grime in the podcast, but I do highly recommend you listen to the likes of Skepta, Getz, and Stormzy, at least for a start. More grime literate readers out there might despair and complain that these recommendations are horribly outdated and to those I do apologise for the fact that I've not been following the genre as closely as I would have liked recently. For the more educational pieces, I would recommend the aviary-themed Four Owls, by whom Silent Flight is an excellent, excellent survey of what makes the owl such a formidable bird of prey. Stig of the Dump sounds similar musically speaking but tackles completely different issues and Loyal Karna sounds more lo-fi. Now I realise if if a reader here doesn't know anything about hip hop that literally sounds like it was generated by an ai like that sounds mm-hmm. that sounds like my video on writing a youtube script um i kind of like that though because there's so many things that i think i don't really know what's going on you know i'm more inclined to listen i think yeah so the, check out this email from alex in the, in the inbox and the, and what they also yeah, yeah, what he also does then is break it down by language so there's some French recommendations, um, Oral Sun, Eddie DiPreto, Romeo Elvis, 
Strome, Nekfu in 1995. German, Aligatoa. Dutch, Lil Klein. Russian, sorry, Italian, Russian. Uh, then we've also got some Arabic ones, some Swedish ones. Swedish ones, I bet, will be really interesting, actually, because, I mean, as he says, mm. Eric London mm. raps a lot about the struggles of coming from an immigrant background. Um, and, um, yeah, so, so so many recommendations. We've got recommendations flying out of our ears. Um, cool. So thank you. Well, thank you, Alex. Thank you so much, Alex. Uh, aged uh, 21 and 568 730ths. Thank you. Proper fraction. It's been too long since we've seen a proper fraction in, in the show. Um, I, I'm going to have to give some of these a go. I tend to have music on when I'm working now in like the background. So I will, I'll, mm. I'll give this a try. Thank you for taking the time to write this. We have an email here from Jack Gilchrist. It says, salutations, Dan and Simon. I haven't, uh, I haven't read the podcast in a while because I've been saving up episodes for my holidays so i don't know Sorry, if you've did, already talked did you about just this, switch to parcel time did you just, <laughs> you just switch to parcel time yeah for a second well i thought it was i thought the word was savings but my cursor was a, above the middle of the word and i was like oh it could be sailing <laughs> i don't know because <laughs> i'm sailing up um, episodes for my holidays <laughs> yeah uh, can you do the rest uh, of this like but here uh, oh, I go. no can, a special request can you please do the rest of this in your um the the, the voice that you do with the the S's whistle. It's like an old man from the south with with no that teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Please. I want so. <laughs> I want so book. I can't I find this email. I'm looking at it right now. What does number the, the sentence after number one? I believe that uh, he wanted to say some, but it probably got autocorrected to so. I see. I see. Um. I want some book recommendations from you all. I'm on a summer break Thank until you. September, but need something to read. <laughs> Simon, I did message you on Goodreads about this, but you ignored me. Oh, I like sorry. I, I... sci-fi, fantasy, <laughs> but I also like more science-y book. No, no, do it properly. I read... Do it properly. I read Sapiens and the... Martian and a brief history and really enjoyed them. I was wondering if you had anything else along those lines <laughs> or something a bit more hard sci-fi. <laughs> Thanks. To, it's just so, it's so every, it's, it's a scattershot approach. You never know which, which one's going to yeah. come out. I'm, I'm sorry that I, you messaged me on Goodreads. I just don't, I don't really use Goodreads all that much. I, I, I don't check my inbox on there. I haven't been reading a huge amount recently either, so I haven't had much reason to log in. But that's, I wasn't consciously ignoring you. I'm sorry. We also have here some recommendations, which is always good. Uh, it's the, the, the first is the Altered Carbon series. Apparently they're really cool sci-fi novels. I've read the first two and really enjoyed them. The oh, first novel's really good, I sci-fi did. noir, and has a really good premise. There's a Netflix series as well, If uh, uh, but I don't know if you've already, already seen it. I didn't it. even know there were novels. two is an absolutely remarkable thing. Hank Green's ah, novel, hmm. which is meant to be very good. Uh, yeah, I've, I've only heard good things about it, to uh, be honest. I, I, I do want to And he says... It. P.S. If you read all of this, sorry for writing such a thick email. P.P.S. Sorry if this email makes no sense. I'm not much of an English Englishian. And P.P.P.P.P.S. Dog all the way. Well, Ugh. very fine, Jack. Very fine indeed. Dan is a hard dog, so you uh, you've got spot on the nose there. So sci-fi and fantasy uh, recommendations. Um, there's the stuff by Ian M. Banks. Um, if you liked The Martian. That's probably it's like the I read uh, Consider Phlebas, which I think is the first culture novel, and I really liked it, but I've yet to read anything more. Um, it's quite a it's a hard read in the sense that it's quite grimy. It's like 
It's mm. not. It doesn't conform to a lot of storytelling conventions. In other words, there's not a lot of happy endings. Basically, it's quite bleak. Mm. Um, but it's very good. I, 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 in, it's kind of in terms of like how easy it is to read. I, it reminded me of The Martian. So uh, yeah, Ian M. Banks is great. Um, sci-fi and fantasy. What else is there? Um, That's the which is the Red Mars trilogy. Oh yeah, Red Mars. Blue Mars, Green Mars. I've not read any of them, but I've heard. I was recommended them by my English teacher. Um, I think it's. Years I ago. think it's Red, Green, Blue. Is it? I isn't it? I don't know. I, it, I, to me, it would make more sense for it to be. Anyway, red. I've read Red. I've I've read Red Mars, um, and it's really really good. Okay. It goes Red Mars, Green Mars, Blue Mars. Yeah, Red, Green, Blue. But surely you'd put the water on Mars before stuff would grow on Mars. Like that's why I thought that it would go from red to blue, as in you put. Well, water I think there also the. the the pl- red Mars is apparently colonization. Green Mars is terraforming, and then Blue Mars is the long-term results, which I guess makes sense. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, no, I, I, I've, I've long wanted to read those. Um, what else is in my? Yeah, well, Red Mars is excellent. Kim Stan, yeah, Kim Stanley Robinson. That's it. I am actually just going to read. Sorry, I'm just going to log into my Goodreads to see if what I've got in my um, wants to read pile. Probably like most people on this site, it's uh, there's quite a few books in here. Um, oh God, I've got seventy six books. Oh, oh, I finished Fatherland. Oh, what did you think? Really good, really yeah. good. So I've got here in um uh, my recommend the, the the top rated thing that I want to read is the last question by Isaac Asimov. I've not read any Asimov, I don't think, and that is a terrible like gap in my um my reading education. So I I definitely want to read that. I've also got Six of Crows, which I was recommended several times. I can't remember who finally got me to put it onto my Goodreads, but that's a, a fantasy series, I believe. Because that's the first book, and apparently they're excellent. So that's two recommendations from me. That's probably all the the, the really really top ones. So yeah, I just need to crack on with reading. Mm. I'm so behind with reading this year. I yeah. just haven't. I've I've never made time for it. So yeah, need to fix that. But okay, yeah, I didn't know there were Alter Carbon um, books. I only thought there was the Netflix series. So that's going to be interesting. And I I need to check out an absolutely remarkable thing. That's one to read on like a holiday. I think. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Jack. Lovely. And we have uh, one last short one here uh, from Rosie saying, Hi both. Uh, I co-host a new comedy podcast uh, called It's History, Bitch. It's supposed to be like Britney, but no one seems to have gotten the joke yet. Anyway, <laughs> we're big fans of the Wikicast and we hope our show is as funny. We'd love to do a promo swap with you guys if you're at all interested, uh, but we're new, so I understand if it's not really worth your end. Either way, keep up the top-notch work, Rosie. Well, there we go. Um, we've got a listener. Uh, who's a fan of the Wikicast and has started their own thing uh, as a co-host? History, it's history, bitch. Like um, Britney, bitch. Comedy yeah. podcast. It's history, yeah. bitch. Sounds good. Yeah, well, there'll be I'll a, have to. Uh, we'll have to check that out. There'll be a link in the show notes if you'd like to check it out. So, well, uh, yes. best of luck, Rosie. I really hope that we haven't just like given a promo to a massively offensive podcast. It's like we check yeah. it out and it's all like Holocaust denial and stuff like that. And we're like, oh god, what have we done? <laughs> we should have checked our sources. No, I'm, if you're a reader of the Wikicast, I'm, I'm sure... I'm just sticking it into Google now. I'm sure that you are wonderful people. So it's on Apple Podcasts. That's good. Well, we're really it's plugging them. They're getting Spotify. a lot of airtime on this episode. F*** me. Oh, it's got a, very, it's got a good um, thumbnail. You should check it out. It's very good. The one with anti-popes, hefty, Hetty Green, and the London gin craze. <laughs> what, yep. a, what a thumbnail. Yep. Fantastic. Absolutely. The London fantastic. gin craze is a really fascinating and hilarious period of there was they did it in our time on yeah that, i listened to the in our time and about how basically it wasn't it, it the, the problem was already there it was just that they changed the alcohol like people were getting smashed yeah off of it was the fact that it was the war with the french wasn't it which meant that 
people switch to Dutch gin as opposed to French wine. And yeah, so the, yeah. the, the substance changed. The like problem was the same as before. But there, but there we go. Yeah, it's history, bitch. I'll have to I'll have to check it out. That's a, in fact, speaking of gin, I read a I read quite a funny um quite a funny joke about gin and a nun. Would you like to hear the joke about gin and a nun, Simon? Oh, go on. Okay, here we go. So a nun is standing outside a pub, and a man comes round the corner planning to grab an after-work beverage. The nun immediately points at him and intones, Before you enter this den of sin and debauchery, think of your mother and your father. The man wipes a tear and says, They're dead. God bless them, they're dead in heaven. Well, says the nun, then think of the damage the alcohol will do to your brain. What? The man asks. What What are you talking about? Have, have you ever had a drink? The nun says she hasn't. Then how can you talk about the alcohol? I'll tell you what to do. He continues. I'll buy you a drink after you've drunk it. Then you can talk to me about the alcohol. What will you have? I, I don't know, says the nun. What, what do ladies usually drink? Gin, he replies. Oh, all right, she says. But can you put it in a cup so nobody notices? The man nods and walks into the bar, calling out to the bartender, Bartender, I'll have a beer and a double gin in a cup. It's that bloody nun outside again, isn't it? Says the, says the bartender. <laughs> wow. I read it and I thought it was quite good. Okay, I see. <laughs> I was expecting a bit more of a punchline. Like that was, I was expe- that was a very sa- that was quite a savage reception. I was I thought I was I thought that I fully thought that there was another line following that punchline. That's why I was holding back. I don't know. Well, no. Well, maybe you're welcome to think of one though. Oh no, I'm 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 not a I'm not a jokester. I don't think of this stuff. Wow. Well, I, I, yes, oh, it was a go. good joke. Well done, Dan. I like that. F- you. <laughs> Well done. What have I we, really liked it. What have I'm we, very, I'm very easily pleased, man. What have we learned today, though, Dan? What apart from your terrible joke? <laughs> well, we learned about, uh, we learned about an American hockey team, did we not? Yes, we did. We did. I, th- I may have actually just jumped the gun and, and done your line from the script, but no, never mind. Yeah, um, but you know, hey, I don't. It doesn't matter. I'll do it. It's, a, it's fine. Yeah, it's sure. not that I, I like. I have no idea what we read, but it's fine. Uh, we did the 2001 to 2002 Nashville Predators season, as hosted in the Gaylord Entertainment Center. Uh, they were a, brilliant. A pre- brilliant. A pretty terrible ice hockey team in America in the early 2000s. Yes. Are they still? I probably should have checked on them. Like, are they still in the league? Do they still exist? They, yeah, they seem to be doing all right. In in 2018, they won their first President's Trophy and Central Division titles. They've co- it's a it's a positive story, everyone. Over the course of this podcast, they went from being pretty much zero to hero. Wow, but they're not in the Gaylord Entertainment Center anymore. <laughs> Very impressive. We also uh, gave our uh, we had a, a new choral piece of the week by the Huelgas Ensemble. Mm. Uh, we chatted about Good Omens and Years and Years. And Simon, you said you'd been you'd started Parks and Rec. I have, yes, very much enjoying it. Mm. Um, we've we've shifted up the. Uh, we're going to trial a new kind of critics' corner, which is going to be yeah uh, confession. Everyone gets an absolute. Uh, email in with your confessions. You're all going to be absolved. It's all fine. Uh, but we're going to give that a go. See how that goes. From our, it was a suggestion in the discord uh, and then we ended with some really stellar correspondence some very good, and, some music and, stuff a lot of music recommendations so i am very yeah. much looking forward to digging into some of these i have no time no idea what i'm going to find 
you know, the time to get through all of them, but I'll give it a good go. And that's all for this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. You can like us on Facebook. And if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. Tales of childhood sports, confessions and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. And And we'll we'll see see you next time. time.